recognize your awesome greatness. Who is like the Lord? Who is like you, God? We know, we've seen everything in this world. There is no one like our God. You're such a good father. Can you just tell the Lord right now, Father, you're such a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And we thank you, Father, the one who created all that we see, all that we stand on, and you created the breath that we breathe. You've given us vision and a purpose for living. We thank you for your overwhelming love. When we were not yet lovable, you loved us. And in this place today, we give you honor to whom honor is due. Holy, majestic, loving, mighty, incredible God. We exalt you. We adore you. release in this place I mean and mean it not like I'm gonna do it because Pastor Nolan wants me to do it a shout of hallelujah to our father no I want to do it in unison because there's something about a unison shout of God's people on Father's Day to our father come on ah. know who you shout to this morning There's one time in the Word of God, just real quick. There's one time in the Word of God where it says, be still and know that I am, be still, be quiet. But do you know what's on each side of that chapter or on one side of that verse is shout. It was like a pause. There's a shout and then there's a pause and the pause says, okay, get another picture of me. Get a grasp of who I am recognize how good I am, how amazing I am, and then shout again. Okay, so here's your, here's your moment. Think about how good God's been to you. Think about it. If he's done nothing else for you, he saved your life. Oh, but he's done so much more. So Father, we take our paws. Now we move to the next chapter that says shout. You ready? I said, are you ready? 
Come on, church. If you're alive and well, and you have the Father in, through Jesus Christ in your heart, I want us to give a victory shout to Almighty God that literally will shake things in your family, that will literally shake things in this community. It's not just a shout. There's something that God will do in the shout. We do warfare when we show up in this place. That's why we don't sit on our hands. We stand and declare and praise the name of our God because there's warfare in our praise. So we're going to do some warfare as we exalt the mighty God that we serve. Ready? One, two, three. to you if you're lacking excitement in your life your focus is shifted I said if you lack excitement in your life you have shifted your focus because you cannot help but yet be excited every time you focus on him If you can go through a service and sit on your hands, it means you've lost your focus. Because your circumstance or if your physical body or what's going on in your day during the week comes and grabs a hold of you on a Sunday morning and says, just sit on your hands today, you've lost your focus. Our focus is on the one who can make the difference. If you focus on the stuff that's going on or not going on in your life, guess what happens? You sit on your hands. You're depressed, you're down, you're oppressed. You lack joy in your life because you lost your focus. So I propose to you, don't lose your focus this morning. When you look up and see his greatness, and then you take a new gaze at your life, and you go, he can do this. <laughs> and that's why we go back to the message. The answer's in Jesus. Okay, so word of encouragement number one, do you receive it? All right, don't lose your focus. And once again, let me encourage you, your breakthrough's in your praise. Your breakthrough's in your praise. Don't be silent in the midst of trial. Shout louder. Don't lose your focus. Come on. Receive that? So let's do it one more time. Come on. Hallelujah. One, two, three. Hallelujah. 
Amen. You may be seated. Glory. You know, I'm going to have the guys play a couple of videos for you. The first one is, I love, I love this. I think I played it last year for you. No, I know I did. I don't have to think. I know I did. And some of you may have been here, some are not. But how many of you men know that there's things that you would say and there's things to your family you would not say? And this is a comical view of that. I think it's awesome. And because everything this guy says is, 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 is really one of those things. And if you're about to be a father, you're going to understand this more. But there are things that you definitely would not say. And this is about that. Have a good laugh. Stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so uh, this one this one will set up a little bit of what I want to share this morning. So I want you to see this one. Shoot it, guys. Daddy! Daddy! Dad! 
all the dads another hand in the house. Come on. There's many times dads answer the call. As that, as that video in 57 seconds shared with us, there's an answering of the call that dads do all the time. But I'm gonna propose to you in this house this morning that if we ever needed dads, fathers to answer the call on this planet and especially in this nation today, it's now. We need dads to answer the call. We need fathers who aren't dads, but can be fathers, spiritual fathers to rise up in this nation. Men of God to rise up like never before. It's really good that people know outside of your family that you're a man of God, but none of that really matters at all unless your family, your family knows that you're a man of God. As goes the family, goes a nation. Hear me this morning, as goes a family, goes a nation. It doesn't really matter what happens in the White House. It's good that things go well there. It's not as important as what goes on for our nation. It's not as important as what goes on in the White House, but what goes on in your house. Does your house give clarity? as to what the kingdom of God looks like because of what, how you live. I want us to look at the family, how it originated as we talk about Father's Day this morning. Before Adam and Eve were created, God said in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, he says, God spoke, it says God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings, he created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, God blessed them. He says, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air for everything that moves on the face of the earth. So before God created, we see that before God, before God created man, he said, we are going to create both man and female. And we're going to set them up to subdue the earth. In other words, another translation says dominion, take dominion over the earth. What does that mean? What is dominion? It is to have rule with authority. Say with me, rule with authority. He said, subdue the earth, take dominion over the earth. We're going to give it to them, but, before, but this is how we're going to give it to them. This is how we're going to give them dominion on the earth, both male and female. Say with me, both male and female. The man is going to be the head, the lead, because there is an order in creation. God created Adam, for he is to lead, but he's not alone. Once a man is married, dominion is to happen with both male and female. It's a joint collaboration. Can you say amen, church? God structured it so that Adam, he put Adam asleep and performed surgery on him, and by taking out his rib, he fashioned the woman. The Bible says that he made man, but he took some time and he fashioned 
the woman. All the men in the house say, Amen. <laughs> but that meant that Adam lost something in order to have a woman. He had to give up something. There's a story that said, Daryl, you might like this one. Dory's story said that God came up to Adam and says, he says, Adam, says, what do you want in a companion? He says, well, God, it'd be great if, well, we made love every morning. Um, she waited on me hand and foot. She gave me a massage in the afternoon and we made love again in the evening. He says, well, that's gonna cost you an arm and a leg. He goes, whoa, an arm and a leg? He says, well, what can I get for a rib? In order to get his rib back, Adam had to take on more than he had lost. He had lost, but in order, he had lost a rib, but in order to get the rib back, he had to take on more than what he had before. In other words, he got added to. He's not supposed to just have, so when, when a man gets a wife, when a man just gets a wife, not just, but when a man gets a wife, the Bible says it's a blessing, it's a beautiful thing, it's an amazing thing. He's not supposed to just have what he had, but he gains what he didn't have when he gains a wife. I want you to track with me on this. You see, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that he gets something very special. He gets a helper. Because she not only gives what man lost, but she also brings to the table that which he did not have. I propose to you this, and I want you to hear this this morning, men of God, whenever a woman is left out of the kingdom equa equation, you will limit or even cancel God's involvement with you. Let me say that one one more time. Whenever a woman is left out of the kingdom equation, you will limit or even cancel God's involvement with you. What most men don't understand this morning is that when she is not viewed as a collaborator, but mainly viewed as a companion, a cook, a dishwasher, a cleaner, a childbearer, but not a collaborator, then this is what happens. The purpose for the establishment of marriage and family is to collaborate, and what God's establishing marriage and family has then been lost if that's all she is. To become a helper in the dominion covenant, to take dominion, to subdue the earth, to be a helper in the expansion of God's kingdom is God's plan for the wife. The first and foremost reason for God to establish the family wasn't, wasn't, hear me, the reason he established the family wasn't so that we would not have to live alone, though that's a bonus. It wasn't so that we uh, could feel good and be happy, though that's a bonus and those things happen. But, the, but God created a family in order to expand his rule in history. When you lose sight of the kingdom purposes of marriage and family, you're only thinking about happiness and feeling good, then you are neglecting the main reason why God started it in the first place. God is a trinity. What does that mean? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three in one. Intermingling, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. So God takes the rib out of man. He creates woman. 
tells them that they are to become one flesh. He creates a process where one woman, a woman can bear a child, has the DNA of both father and mother, and he brings them together as a Trinitarian unit, man, woman, and child, so that they can have on earth a trinity. So when God established the family, he was creating a trinity on the earth to operate as he operates in heaven in order to what? To expand his purposes on the earth and change history. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something that I'm gonna reiterate it at the end. Women of God, you do not need to be finding some slouch that is not a man of God because you're actually counter, you're conflicting the whole thing of why you get married as a child of God. It's to bring dominion to the earth. Men of God, you have to rise up. We're gonna talk about that. I'm challenging you this morning to think differently about what you think. If it needs to change, change it. So God, when God established the family, he was created a trinity. He created a trinity on earth to operate as he operates in the heavens. Men, guess what that means? Guess what that means, men of God? That means you get to oversee, as a man, the father role. In bringing the members of the trinity together in order to demonstrate heaven and expand the kingdom of God on earth, you become father in that trinity that God establishes with you. You see, it's a lot bigger than just being a daddy. It's kingdom expansion, dominion. That's why Satan, remember this? That's why Satan did something. He went, who did he go to? He didn't go to Adam, he went to Eve. Think about it. He went to Eve to what? Bring chaos into the order that God has set. You lead Eve. Have you ever thought about that? Interesting. The first persons that should know that you're a man of God are the people in your own family. Men, how do we do this? It says in Psalm 128, verse one through three, it says this, blessed, happy and sheltered by God's favor. How many like to be blessed, happy and sheltered by the favor of God? You're a child of God, that is you. Blessed, happy, sheltered by God's favor. If you go back, and it continues on here, as you worship him with obedience, then you can go back to the first part and say happy and sheltered by God's favor. If you're walking as a free agent and once in a while counsel with God, I propose to you that number one isn't gonna be in your line of sight. I did a whole message on obedience last week and didn't even fully cover it all. But blessed, happy, and sheltered by God's favor is everyone who fears the Lord and worships, in other words, and worships him with obedience. What is the fear of the Lord? It actually means to take God seriously. 
So let's go on. Who walks in his ways and lives according to his commandments, for you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. What is that? You will be happy and blessed, and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within the innermost part of your house. Now let's say that. Put that back up for me, Rick. Let's read that together. Your wife. Start it right there. Everybody with me. Your wife. One, two, three. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within the innermost part of your house. How? When you, as a man of God, walk in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. To fix the foundation of the family, you've got to fix marriage. Without it, it is something not family. It's a mess. It's a mess. We'll go be with dad this weekend, be with mom next weekend. It's a a mixed message. Dad's serving God, maybe. Mom's kind of serving God, and we kind of meet in between, hopefully, somewhere on something. That's a mess. You've got to fix the foundation of the family. You've got to fix the marriage. And marriage in Malachi 2.14 is a covenant. Say with me, a covenant. What is a covenant? Let me tell you, a covenant, spiritually binding relationship brought out by, about by God over which God rules. What is a covenant? Spiritually binding relationship brought about by God over which God rules. That's covenant. God made man, then he made woman, and then he brought the woman to the man, and he was overseeing this whole process. That's why people get married in the church. And then they go on the honeymoon and leave God in the church while they go on the honeymoon. So, hey, let's get married. We get, let's find a church. Sounds religious, doesn't it? If you don't have God in your life. What he says is that what I want the fear of God to be a part of the marriage covenant. But we live in a day where marriage is taken lightly. It's thrown away easily. I'll just get a new one. Next. Ticket, please. Who's next in line? New marriage. Marriage bliss, except you're a part of it. One man said about marriage for him was like a three-ring circus. There was an engagement ring, there was a wedding ring, and then there was suffering. One man said, I was looking for the new, I was looking for the ideal, but it became an ordeal, so I wanted a new deal. Marriage is thrown away very easily in this day and age. It's a part of the disaster of the family in our time. I don't care how good of a father you are, I don't care how good of a mother you are, without you putting together and equally pouring into your children, it's a disaster. That's why we need spiritual fathers to rise up in the house. Let me say, short of disaster, it is dysfunctional and healing needs to transpire in the kids that have that type of situation so that they can understand the balance of mother and father in their life so they can actually relate to God. Is anybody with me yet this morning? 
Many, many men believe they married the wrong woman, but what we need to understand is that God says, if we go back to that verse, look at it closely. That verse says, your wife shall become a fruitful vine. Shall become. So, um, in other words, she might not be that right now, but when men come as true men of God, and he fears God, then, he cha- then, then, then change will begin to occur in his wife's life. She will become something she was not. And I propose to you that if your wife is not what you want her to be, then problem might be just you. If you missed that, let me say it again. And all the women are saying, yes! If your wife is not what you want her to be, then the problem just might be you. Men are a thermostat in the relationship of marriage, and women are the thermometer. Have I learned that over the last 31 plus years? If I learn anything, I'm the thermostat, she's the thermometer. If the gauge I don't like happening with my wife, usually it comes right back and hits me in the face. It's me. I need to make some changes. I need to be a better thermostat. So the thermometer has the reading I want to see. Is anybody tracking with me? So you, you, you've got to create an environment in which she can flourish, men of God. As she will become a fruitful vine within your house. How does, how, let me ask you a question. How does a fruitful vine look like? What does it look like to you? A fruitful vineyard, a fruitful vineyard, or a, a healthy vineyard, a robust vineyard, is one that has a lot of grapes, right? A lot of grapes, like clusters and clusters of grapes. Now that's a fruitful, amazing vineyard. How does a vineyard work? A grapevine must become fruitful when three things will happen. It will happen when it will become fruitful when three things happen. It must cling. Say with me, cling. Cling to. In other words, we're not dragging this sucker on the ground. We're actually, it actually is hoisted up, propped up so it clings to the post. Then that's just a point right there. It clings. And when it clings, it does something. The vine then is free to climb. Everybody tracking? The vine now is free to climb and move. The vine begins to spread on the post because they are stable and secure. They begin to climb. And three, clusters begin to form on the post. Secure, they cling, they begin to climb. Now they cluster and produce clusters of grapes. And these grapes are squeezed. And they become grape juice. And then if they're allowed to ferment, they have this thing called wine. And I've heard it said that wine will make a sad man glad. I wouldn't know that, but that's what I hear. And when you create a stable environment, follow with me, when you create, men of God, a stable environment based on your fear of God, your wife becomes secure and she will begin to flourish so that she begins to cluster, and the result will be that you are intoxicated with her love. 
What the psalmist is suggesting to us today is that she can be turned into something that she currently isn't because of you fear of the, your fear of God is applied into the home. Thus, father-like figure, father, the, the, the triune, the father part of the earthly trinity, you see the importance. Paul talks about the whole concept of the role of the husband, and he says a man should be his wife's savior, not in like Christ, but the Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, it says, and to husbands you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride, for he died for us, sacrificing himself. You need a savior unless you, so the only reason you need a savior, let me say it this way, the only reason you need a savior is because you need to be saved. So if your wife isn't all that she's supposed to be, she needs a savior. We're not all that we're supposed to be, can you say amen? But we have a savior. And he sacrificed. Jesus Christ gave up his life in order to what? Gain us. Men, I propose to you, hear me, do I have every man's attention in the room? I propose to you, men of God, that if you make a list of all that you do for your wife and you make a list of all that she does for you, if her list outdoes your list, she's the Savior. I don't see any stones throwing. Tomatoes? Hook? Is there a hook? <laughs> I propose to you that if you make a list of all that you do for your wife and you make a list that all she does for you, if the list is longer on, if her list is longer than your list, she's the savior. You should be out serving your wife because you're the savior. If you have a savior, you have a cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And there's a cost to be a savior. A man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. And then you have Ephesians 5.26, which says that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing water by the word. A man is to be his wife's sanctifier. What does that mean? Sanctification. It's a big word. It's a theological word. It's a great word. If you really dive into it, it's an amazing word. It's taking somebody. Sanctification is literally taking somebody for where they are, for, from, where, from where they are turning them into what they ought to be. It's taking somebody from where they are and turning them into what they ought to be. It is the process of change. Say with me, change. We all need to change. Sanctification is meaning change is taking place. And when you give, and when we gave our, Christ, self, our, our, our life to Christ, we began something. We began a spiritual journey that's really important. Development process to change you. And God wants to change you. And that process is called sanctification. He says a man is to sanctify his wife. In other words, get this, oversee his wife's change. Spiritual change takes place as a man of God uses kingdom principles from the word with God at the top and he invests in his wife. 
And then a man is to be his wife's satisfier. Savior, sanctifier, satisfier. Husbands, it says in Ephesians 5.28, husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies, for to love your wife is to love your own self. The principle is simple. Any time that you do for you, see if you could do it twice. Any time that you do for you, men, see if you can do that twice. In other words, think about her every time you think about you, so it's never only about you. That'd be a great spot for all the men to say amen. (laughs) When your wife discovers that she's valuable, she's valued, oh, I've been walking through this road, still do. I am a visionary, director, driver, and sometimes I don't check in, and that's exactly what I need to do. When your wife discovers that she's that valuable, that what she has to offer is meaningful, can I hear an amen, ladies? That you don't just ask her to cook, but you ask her for the ideas on direction. She's not just someone who cleans the house and takes care of the kids and just manages things here and there, but you ask her for her opinion on any major decision, on any decision in the house and in life, and in ministry. You make the final decision, of course, but but you're the head, but you should never make the final decision without full input. Why? Because when God brought you back, when he brought your rib back, when he brought you your rib, he brought into play other things that he wants in the equation. What? Here it is, her intuition and her feelings. Oh, is that annoying sometimes? Yeah, when your heart isn't right and you have the wrong focus on the process. Did you hear me, men of God? When your heart isn't right and you've lost focus of the process of kingdom collaboration, then it's absolutely annoying. Then you can be annoyed because you're not doing it right. Man, it's quiet in this place this morning. (laughs) Man, I'm preaching to me too, brothers. Her intuition, her feelings about things, those could be vital because she will pick up on things that we overlook. Men, are you, come on, have you ever been there? We overlook. We blow by. She's like, whoa, I got a feeling about that. A sensitivity about that. Maybe. I have some intuition about that. You know that guy? I'm not so sure about that guy. When your wife discovers that she is necessary and not just an addendum or just a sexual partner, but she is critically needed for her mind, her feelings, her contribution, then you've got dominion. Dominion can happen. Movement can happen. Then you get to take things over. You get to see God move. 
God will not operate independently of her. Men of God, God will not operate independently of her when you're married. In addition to this, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, he says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Say what? Peter is simply, he's saying to us, if a man is in conflict with his wife, tell them God is not listening to their prayers. I didn't write that. God had Peter write it. So if you're not operating as a man of God, God says, I am not listening if your wife is not a part of the equation. So the marriage thing isn't just about being happy. It's about God paying attention to you because two are made one. The psalm moves on from marriage. Anybody receive that part of the word? Can you say amen, men of God? Amen. We got four. Maybe I can get you by the end of the service. To... The psalm moves on from marriage to children. And thus, fatherhood. You can see it's way bigger than the picture that we classically sense. You know, we're just going to get married. We're going to have a good life. We're going to raise our kids. We're going to go on some vacations. And then we're going to die and go to heaven. Oh, we're missing a big picture there. Missing a huge picture. Dominion. Psalm 128.3 says, it says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Hallelujah. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Notice it doesn't say olive trees. It says olive plants. What's the difference? Big difference. It takes 15 years for olive plants to become olive trees. 15 years. Now, once they become mature, they last for 2,000 plus years. There's some in Israel that are still blooming, glooming, robust, over 2,000 years old. Why? How? Because their roots run deep. Their roots run deep. Now, we have a crisis with our children in America today. I said, we have a crisis. We have a crisis today because our children, our children's roots don't run deep. And why is that? Because no one is overseeing the process. When I go to an airport, or if you go to an airport, they have this thing called a magnometer. And, and if you have metal in your pocket, what happens is, is it goes beep, 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 beep. Oh, okay, I need to go back, empty what's in my pocket. And, but you know, there's sometimes the thing doesn't go off. Why? Because it, a magnometer is all about how you adjust it and who's adjusting it. So if the adjuster doesn't adjust it to where it has sensitivity, then therefore the person that can go through with stuff in their pockets that shouldn't go through with stuff in their pockets, and so therefore everything is a mess. So people show up 
they have a knife in their pocket, didn't come, you know, I'm just saying facetiously, and they're walking through security. So here's the, here's the thing. You understand the process. There's someone that has to make that adjustment in order for it to go off. Now, we have a generation of young people today whose conscience, their consciences don't beep. So they breeze through life, receiving all kinds of stuff they should not receive, and it should be going beep, 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 but it doesn't. Why? You see, they get their value system. The father's not home, I'll just say this, the father's not home setting the conscious. Once again, why do you need a man of God? They set the conscience. They set the values. The value system, the rights and the wrongs for the kids with mom. So what happens? What happens if that, well, there's not that oversight, that nurturing of the plant to become a tree? What happens? Well, I'll tell you what's happening. Value systems or settings are happening then from their friends. They're happening from Facebook and the internet, from movies, YouTube, from TV shows that they watch, from a culture that's secular, that we're supposed to bring impact to, we're supposed to take dominion, we're supposed to be a family, a triune, a representative of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on the planet, bringing dominion of heaven to earth through the family. But that's not happening because there's no oversight so that there is a beep of a conscience in the kid's life. I guarantee you, 45 times a day, there should be beep, 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 beep. Okay, beep, beep, beep. Okay, I'll go this way. But there's not. Just plow through information. Receive all kinds of crud and reject none of it. And we wonder why kids act the way they act. They're acting like they're acting because the roots don't run deep. In a world where the fatherless is the norm, how do you move forward as a man of God and as a father? First of all, make a difference in your location. You can't make a difference in someone else's location until you make a difference in your own. Otherwise, you have information with no transformational anointing. Your children will be olive plants, the Bible says, around your table. If we read, go back to that verse, your children will be as all the plants around your table. In other words, men of God, you must set the table. You must set the table. Your children will be as all the plants. The way a man leads his family in the Bible, has led in the Bible in the Jewish culture was around the table, and he set things in order around the table. Correction around the table, encouragement around the table, come in alignments, what's going on with you? Practical help, encouragement around the table. Now that table can be a group setting, but then I guarantee you, you're gonna to need to set a table for that's one-on-one -on -one with your kids. They need to hear personally from dad Amen. on their situation, Amen. personally. 
hey, let's go out for coffee. Let's hang out. I do that now. When your kids are four, you're not going to take them out for coffee. I don't think so. Here, here's your bottle, my coffee. Let's talk. <laughs> okay, you got it. I'm just playing. You got to take time. Encourage, nurture. What's going on? Even when they get older, I've been praying for you. I'm seeing some things I want to encourage you in. When you transition from dad to coach, like I am right now in my life, I'm coaching mine, just coaching him. But you, you never lose the heart of the father for your kids, ever. The table is the place for men of God to take charge. That's where you sit down with the family and the leader takes over. Sit down with the family and you train, encourage your children. You need to be available to love, encourage, nurture, pray, pray for, pray with. Declare over them. Give wise counsel. Break open the word with your children. The table is just, isn't just for eating, it's for leading. And be at the table whenever you're needed. Some men say, I'm the head of my home by God, but yet they never prepare a table for their family, and so therefore they are not the head of their home. Your children are olive plants which are on their way to become olive trees, but they need your input and nurturing to make it there. The family times around the table are important. Turn off the TV. It's not important at the moment. Shut things off. Have quality time. It may not be every time. It may not be every week, day, but it's, it needs to be there. Anybody still get anything from this message this morning? Happy Father's Day. You see, I don't think we can fully celebrate Father's Day until we became the men of God that we really are, and then we actually walk in that true identity of what it means to be fathers on Father's Day. And I'm still challenging myself on this whole topic. So should you. The family is the key. It says in, that's why Joshua says in Joshua 24, 15, he says, it's, it is, if, it, if it is unacceptable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But as for me, as for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, you know what? I can't tell you how you're going to live your life, and I can't tell you who you're going to serve, mm, but for me? Whoever owns the family owns the future. I say amen to that too, but I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned because I'm not really sure the church owns the family in America in the kingdom of God so we have work to do we have a lot of work to do we started right here in our own city and it starts in our home 
Whoever owns the family owns the church. Satan isn't trying to destroy the family just to make people unhappy. Satan is trying to destroy the family because he's trying to kill the future. You know, mothers, God bless you if you're alone. God will give you wisdom. God bless you in that. God strengthen you in that. And there's always hope and, and there's strength and there's, but I, I wanna encourage you to find godly men. Let your kids be around the men of God so that they can be a part of the process. You may not have, you may have an earthly dad. They may have an earthly dad that's an idiot. I, say, I should say a pre-believer, probably a better word, because everyone's designed to be a, pre, a believer. So if you look at people as an idiot, well, that's probably not good. Okay, pre-believer. But the things that they're doing or that they did while you're not with them anymore was idiotic. Mothers are doing the best they can in what they have, but a mother on her best day still can't be a dad. She can be an exceptional mother, but there are some things that only a man can bring to a boy. There are only some things that our daughters need to hear from their dad that they will not hear. And here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. So that they do not believe some smooth-talking idiot who whispers in their ear and lies to them and destroys their life. Well, you can, get the, you can get the CD. Listen, listen to me right now. If you're in a dysfunctional relationship, get out of it. Guy just wants to shack up with you. He just wants, he, he just wants what's below the belt from you. He's not worth anything. Men, women of God, listen to me. You are called, and until a whole man of God shows up, you don't need a half one. You don't. They'll talk you sweet. They'll, I, I like to say it like this, don't be a Shanita. She need a car, she need a man, she need a house, she need a bank account. Don't be a Shanita. Be a whole woman of God. Let God make you whole. Get into the presence of God and let everything you need come from the Father's hand to you. And if you don't ever have a whole man show up, then reject them all. They're not worth it. Why? you begin to partner with somebody that really does not ultimately care for you. They just care for what you can give them. And they are being used by the enemy until they are fully yielded to God. And I contend and I, I, I propose to you this, women of God, you don't fully become a man until you're fully yielded to God. So you don't want anything to do with a half serving kind of man of God. Well, he kind of, well, he does some good things and everything, and you know, he says some nice things, and he gave me flowers once. <laughs> He's an idiot. 
recognize with the word of God who that man is and who that man isn't. Okay, he's a pre-believer. That's acting like an idiot. Men of God, that means that your presence must be felt. As for me and my house, this is not negotiable. God rules here. Why? Because we want to see his dominion to spread on the earth. And we definitely want to see it through our own family. Girls, young women, women of all ages in this room this morning, do you see why God designed you to marry a man of God? Missionary dating is not an option. Do you hear me? Missionary dating is not an option. I've seen women, men come into their lives you see, there's some really slouches out there. They come in and they want to shack up with women in the church. They want to get close to them because they're really good and they'll stay with them through all the different shenanigans that they want to pull off. I've seen them take them, rip them right out of churches. People, girl, women that we poured into and we're like, no, oh, we sense something about this guy. You see, unless they are constantly in the house and constantly in the presence of God, and constantly seeking the Father himself. If you always have to prod him, nudge him, get him going, why don't you, how come you, then let me tell you something, he is not worth your time. I know this is a Father's Day message, but I want to really encourage the women of God, don't be a part of the dysfunction. Young ladies, don't give in to that guy that's a smooth-talking, silver-tongued, but in the back of his heart, he is not serving God. Oh, you're amazing. I don't know what I'd do without you. Your eyes. I don't, I just want to spend all my time with you. Men of God, do you see how important it is that you fear the Lord, take him seriously, and be the husband and the father that flows from that relationship to be the head of the home, to be the father that you should be leading a trinity that leads dominion. Do you see that, men of God? Do you take that? Do you receive that this morning? Say amen. amen. Let's stand together. Whoever wins the family wins the nation.
I want to encourage you this morning, do your part. If you're away from God this morning, the invitation is wide open. Hear the Father say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Men of God, I want to encourage you because your time may have passed as a fathering and you have kids and they're gone, but let me tell you something, there are kids all around that need your encouragement. They need to hear from a man of God to lift them up. Whatever ceiling you've created, let it be their floor. Launch them. Send them forth. Spend time with them. Be a granddad to a family. Adopt a family and be a granddad. I think that's a good thought. Let's adopt families. Let's adopt the single woman that needs and women. I'm not leaving you out. Adopt a mother that's alone. Be a grandmother. Be a mother. I know it's not Mother's Day, but we need to build the family. And there's some things, and then let me just say this, in the process of the amazing man of God that we're going to believe for each and every one of you, but if he never shows up, the family of God needs to stand in the gap to be that help and encouragement to the kids that are so vitally important, that are these plants, these olive plants that need to become trees. I'm going to ask this congregation, do you receive the charge to do that? Can you say amen? amen? That means this. That means when you walk into a house and kids walk by you, your love and encouragement is vital. You know, we raise up kids, and I, I'm looking to do this more and more. We're going to be purposeful in this, that kids in this house are raised up as spiritual giants. No matter what kind of a background they came from, I want kids at the altar praying for the adults. Releasing the power of God. Hearing words of knowledge. Releasing healing. Why? They don't have junior Holy Spirit. They have the whole package. This culture, this culture has to change. But I'm going to say this, meaning we're working on this culture just like I'm speaking, but it, I will say it all gets out of whack if men of God do not raise up to be men of God. That's foundational. And you heard from what I laid out to you this morning why. So let's receive the charge. I see the time. We all want to go have a good meal but let me say this, let that meal be so, a celebration of a new conviction. Yeah. And that follows with a lifestyle. Conviction is conviction only unless it's followed with feet to walk it out. So pray, how do I walk this out? Who can I touch? Who can I reach out? Who can I be father to? So, Father, we just receive your word. If you receive it, just open your hands and say, Father, I receive your word. Oh, God, it breaks our heart, too. And if it doesn't, let it break our heart, too, of how the family has been totally dysfunctional, interrupted, blown up, caught, left for destruction in America. Help us, God, in what we can do 
to make a difference. To make a difference even in one heart, one life, it's a life that will be changed, that would have no hope of changing because we stepped out and we made a difference. Help us, God, in our community that we raise up. There will not be such thing as an orphan in Winter Haven. There will not be such thing as a, co- a, a child that becomes a, tes- a, 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 a statistic, but Lord, that we would give them a testimony because this ministry stepped out and reached out and made a difference in their life. Help us, oh God. Help us to see the vision of family, the vision of as men of God, as women of God, being set apart, different, to bring heaven to earth in everything we do and say. I pray. Oh God, as we celebrate fathers and we celebrate great men of God that poured into my life and my dad this morning, I celebrate him. Faithful, true, amazing man of God. I thank you for the, that I became not just a plant, but a tree an olive tree because of his influence, because of his encouragement. And I thank God for W.A. Edwards who poured into him. So Father, we leave this place today with a desire to add our effort to our conviction so that this world will be come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to leave it with you. God bless you. Celebrate dad. Men of God, we'll be talking. Blessings to you. Amen. If you need prayer, we do have a team. I want to encourage you if you need healing or prayer, someone to encourage you. We have a team ready for you. God bless you.